Welcome to the Get to Vet podcast, where we bridge the knowledge gaps in the military transition process so you can focus on what's ahead. Hey there, Get to Vet, Trevor Maxwell here, and back again with me is my partner in podcasting. Mike Riggs for round three. Yep. And uh, as we were, we just recorded another episode before this and we took a little break and I wanted to run this by you. I came up with a name for this mini series. Let me know what you think. I'm thinking we call it Jose's Planorama. <laughs> wow. Well, yeah, that's way too kind. I don't know if I would. Uh... I like it, man. This was, you know, I mean, this was all kind of inspired by you wanting to share a bunch of the knowledge you have working with yeah. people who do yeah. this all the time. And, and Mike and I were more than happy to facilitate. So yeah, I like that. That's what I'll yeah. put in the, the title. Jose's Planorama episodes one through eight. Fantastic. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. What are we talking about today? So today we are talking about uh, to, to follow on from the financial one is, is employment, right? You know, uh, figuring out what you want to do, you know, uh, post military career. Uh, once again, whether you're separating after two, six, 10, 12, or 25 years, you know, uh, there's always, you, you always think about that employment opportunity. Like, what do I want to do? Do I want to work full time? Do I want to work part uh, part-time do i want to start my own business do i want to go into the nonprofit uh arena right like many of us do and many many of our friends and colleagues have done right uh, and so but that once again that takes that takes planning and there is plenty of resources that you could take advantage of before you get out so you know you know uh when you sit down with your career counselor, they have this pre-separation guide. And I think it starts like two years out, right? You know, and, and they go at two years, do this, 12 months, do this, et cetera. So at some point in time, they're going to tar- start telling you, okay, uh, start start looking for employment opportunities. And they tell you, you need a resume. And so obviously that's the first thing we're going to talk about is resume, right? Um, there's tons of organizations out there that will do a resume free of charge for you, Right. Wanted to plug this book real quick too. Signs of a great yeah. resume. Yeah. We got episodes with the author, Scott better. Awesome dude. Check him out. Fantastic. You know, and it's, and it's, it's, you know, so like I was saying, there's plenty, you can go on base fleet family support, or you can use, like I said, you can use signs of a great resume, you know, with, 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 uh, with friend of yours, colleague years who does that. But yeah. either way you want to build your resume, what that's going to look like. It's going to look like a little bit different for everyone right? It's not cookie cutter. So some people will say, I've heard everything from build a master resume. And then from that master resume, you can do a resume tailored to leadership, tailored to management, tailored to your technical skills, tailored to your customer service, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You know, um, so first things first, make sure you do that. Um, I use in my, uh, in my area, uh, the people that I've used and, uh, myself included and all my clients that I deal with, uh, they found some success with hireheroesusa.org, um, a military nonprofit foundation that does resumes. You sign up for an account and they'll do a resume for you. And, uh, usually they're pretty quick. And then after that, you can edit it and tweak it. Um, and you can go from there. So that'd be the first thing, you know. 
building that, even though you think, well, I'm going to go to school still, you should have a resume. Take advantage of that. Uh, even if you're not getting out for another year, have a resume in your pocket because you never know when you're going to be networking when you're out because you start networking, you start meeting people, you're going to these great foundations like Honor Foundation that you talk about, Trevor. Um, also tr other transition programs that are out there, they're going to start telling you, hey, you know, and one of those, it could be, it could be over, it could be over a break. You know, you're hanging out, you meet someone, you, he, they find you interesting, like, hey, you got a resume? You know, I'd rather, I'd rather, you know, uh, I'd, Yes, I do. Here you go. Uh, and that could lead to a bigger conversation that could lead to employment down the road. You know, so having that available. Uh, great program that I utilize here, DOD SkillBridge. Mm -hmm. A lot of people underestimate that program. Um, one thing I will say, a lot of commands, a lot of commanding officers do not support their sailors going to DOD SkillBridge. And that is a tremendous shame. I don't know the other services how they do it. I don't know if the Marine Corps is like that or the Army or the Air Force, but I can tell you in my personal experience with the Navy, um, the commanding officers are not very supportive, you know, and that's, that's just honest truth. I'm not trying to disparage. I'm, I'm being factual. I'm being honest. DOD Skill Bridge is phenomenal. There's all these great opportunities for you to take advantage of. Uh, and if you have it in your area, look into it, do it. I've had people go into welding the trades, welding, plumbing, electricity, you know, IT work. I had one guy, a corpsman who wanted to be a, a bio, a, you know, bio, bio repair tech. I had a SEAL who, uh, who got his master's degree in data analytics. To your point, Mike, in your previous, you talked about these technical skills and these IT stuff. He's a data analytics for a huge firm in Chicago making over six figures. Ridiculous. So that's part of employment, DOD Skillbridge, fellowship programs, you know, uh, J7, I think, offers a great fellowship program. Um, so there's tons out there, Honor Foundation, right? Networking here in Chicago, we have Chicago, uh, Roll Call Chicago Land. It's an employment veteran networking event where you meet with all the bigwigs down of the, in all the companies in Chicago. So finding your niche for employment, finding what you want to do, don't limit yourself, you know, uh, just because, uh, just because there's, uh, you know, Ukraine is offering a thousand dollars a day for EOD techs, um, you know, don't limit yourself. Just because of I was a corpsman, I was an IDC, I could easily have made over six figures working for military sea lift command. But you know what? I'd never be home. I wanted to throw something in there too, and and kind of go a little deeper than that, right? Because I think. You know, this is one of the things that I like about the Honor Foundation. I'm sure Mike will chime in on this too. When when you get close to transition, you have to understand that whatever it was that you did in the military, um, that was then, right? You are not going to be that anymore. I don't tell. I tell people, yeah, I was a bomb tech in the Navy, right? I was an EOD tech. I am not an EOD tech anymore. Right. I don't tie my identity to what I used to do for a living, but that's tough, right? You have to go out and find your new identity when you go out. Right. So you have to do that soul searching and, and figure and, and the honor foundation. That's the whole first phase of the honor foundation is finding out who you are. Right. And a lot of people like when they start, they're like, oh, this is stupid. Why are we doing this stuff? 
and it doesn't click for them sometimes for a while, maybe a year after they get out and they're like, man, I'm really glad we did that stuff. Right. It helped me learn some things about myself and who I was and, and helped me find better fits for me outside of, outside of the military. Right. And I think that's, that starts with that. Right. Because like, like when I go to networking, I, one thing I hate is elevator pitches. Like people, it's unfortunate that that's still a thing. You know, oh, you got to have your elevator pitch. You got to have it. Like, I don't do that anymore because I don't give a shit about your elevator pitch. I want to know who are you, right? Like, that's what I want to know. I'm not making friends with your elevator pitch. I'm making friends with you, right? That's who you build a relationship with is the person. Some people say, well, you know, let me hear your elevator. I've had a guy say that before. Well, what's your elevator pitch? It's like, I don't have one. I don't do that stuff anymore. I got away from that. I'll tell you about me. I'll tell you who I am. Um, but I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, you know, I help my my clients do comprehensive planning for, uh, I can't, I get sick of that stuff. It's fake. You know, it's practiced. It's well rehearsed. It's, it's not authentic and it's garbage in my opinion. That's just me. Some people might say, no, it's an invaluable tool. And I'm like, whatever. Um, but you know, to talk about that, what you were saying, like, that's something that I think is really important is understanding, like, dude, what's your identity going to be after that? Right. If you haven't put any thought into that, it doesn't matter how good your resume is or anything like that. You're not going to find happiness outside of what you're doing now. If you don't focus on that. Right. So, sorry. No, no, that's, that's, that's very good because, there is a lot of uh, there. There is a lot of people that have that same struggle, right? They don't know what to do. They think, well, I've only been this. This is all I've known, and this is this is what I know. So, what am I going to do, Jose? What am I going to do, Mike? What am I going to do, Trevor? When I get out, I don't know what I, I've only been good at this one thing. Well, what are your hobbies? You know, I start looking at people's hobbies. You know, what do you like to do? Well, I, I do woodworking on the side. I do metal work on the side, or or I do investing, or I real estate, or whatever. I build wickets on my off time, you know, okay, have you ever thought of turning that into a, a, a profession? You know, uh, you know, what happened prior to the military? What did you like to do prior to that? What were your aspirations? You know, I've had people, uh, you know, who, who have very technical skills in the military and now they're doctors or they're whatever. They're definitely 180 to what they did in the military, right? Uh, and so finding that out, really doing a good occupational assessment of yourself and what your interests are. So, you know, um, I think having a good look and, and like you said, on our foundation first phase, they really look at that. Um, I'm helping, you know, uh, you know, currently I'm helping a, a young lady in, in Wisconsin with farm grants, and, you know. Uh, so there's all kinds of things. Don't limit yourself. Don't pigeonhole yourself. So that's what I try to tell people to do when they're trying to look for employment. You know, uh, they, uh, I think a lot of people also uh, are looking for that perfect forever job right out the bat, right out the gate. <laughs> Not going to happen. You know what I mean? Yeah. Right out the gate, I'm just going to go into this job and I'm going to stay there for 20, 30 years. Well, that, that was, that was our, that was our grandparents industry, you know, back 40, 50, 60, 80 years ago. Yeah. You, you worked for Coca-Cola and you stayed for Coca-Cola for 30 years, not no more, you know? And so your first job is not going to be your last job. Yeah. yeah. The pension systems are almost gone. Right. They, they exist in 
you know, municipal governments sometimes, state governments, the federal government, obviously, and the railroad. That's about it. You may find a needle in a haystack every now and then, but they're few and far between. That's why I think it's, I think when I did, I did a master's paper about four years ago, and the millennial generation will move every three to five years. And why is that? Well, for one, they're getting, they're upskilling. Every time they go to the next job, they get another skill set. So then they, they shop that around, they move to the next thing. But also they have that thing called a 401k that wasn't around when, like my dad worked for General Electric, had that, had the pension thing going on, or my grandfather worked for Hope Gas in West Virginia. You know, they take this 401k, they put it in a suitcase, they go to the next place and they put it there and then they take it, they move it to the next place. So it's a completely different ball game the way it's played now. Nobody, you don't need to be loyal anywhere. You just take it, take your toys and go home, go somewhere else. Yep. Yep. You know, one of the, you know, I want to bring a, you know, a great point, you know, especially using myself as an example, you know, the largest command that I was ever command master chief of was EOD school. And during the daytime when operations were gone and students were there and contractors and everything, we had sometimes close to a thousand people, 8,000 acres, high risk evolutions going on. You know how many people I lead now? Me, one, that's it. That's all I lead. And I'm perfectly happy with that now. So don't sell yourself short by going thinking, oh, I got to still, you know, I got to go out there and be this C-suite dude or, you know, or else I'm just, I'm, you know, I'm a complete, I've completely undersold myself. They still pay me very well to lead myself. You know, those jobs are out there. So don't kid yourself and think that you got to be this, 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 manager and, and go out there and just go out to the grind to grind yourself in, especially after you've done 20 or 30 years, man, those, the jobs are out there that pay very well. Do you have to, you know, just have to lead yourself or maybe even lead a project or lead a program. They're there. Trust me. They're there. I, I'm living it. Yeah, you're absolutely right. You know, the other thing I look into is, is uh, when I, you know, I, I get asked a lot when I go through this employment cycle with people is, is how, you know, and maybe, you know, what, what do you guys think of this is like, how soon should a person prior to transition be submitting resumes to employers? Is it three months? Is it six months? You know, is there a magic number? I don't really think there is. I think that, you know, hey, if you want to apply for jobs, start applying for jobs. And, 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 and I look at it this way. Most of us have never interviewed before. Most of us have never worn uh, any kind of interview clothing, you know, uh, and, and our, you know, our language in our, in our PC-ness in the military is not up to par with what civilian language is and lingo and understanding. And so there's a lot that goes into interviewing, right? Mm-hmm. You know, researching, like anything else in the military, I put down rehearse, you know, rehearse your interview. So research your company. What do they do? What's their culture? What are their values? What are their morals? Because when you sit down in an interview, the way I look at it is, yes, they're interviewing you, but you are also interviewing them. Mm-hmm. Because if you're not a, if 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 you don't like that interview across the table from you, or if they're not a cultural fit for you, then you don't have to take the job. Yeah, they they may offer it, but you don't have to take it. So get out there, put your name out there. I tell people, put in those resumes, sit in those interviews. I interviewed for a car dealership in Virginia. Like, I don't want to be a car dealer. 
I never yeah. want to be a salesperson, but I threw the, because someone told me this is Jose, just do it. Like, yeah. What's the worst they can do? They offer you the job and you say, no, I did it. Worst interview of my life. Never want to do that again. Well, here, here's a concept that's pretty alien to a lot of people like post-military. If you get into a job and you don't like it, you can literally quit the day yeah. after you start. Absolutely. The day you 100%. You we we get that. into that mindset where it's a two-year enlistment, a four-year enlistment, or like my first initial enlistment in the Navy was a six-year commitment because I was an electronics technician. It's not a, it's not an enlistment. It's not. It's not an officer commitment. You go into that job. If you don't like it, be courteous probably and give them a two-week notice so you're not leaving that place in flames behind you. But it's two weeks. If you don't like it, it's not a fit for you, leave. Don't be miserable. Go find something else to do. And that's another thing where it comes into the financial plan too. That should, that'll still give you options, man. If you got a so- solid financial plan and you're miserable, that gives you options to go seek something else and, and not be miserable while you find other options that are out there. You know, and that, that's the other thing too. You know, if you're, we talked about before, but you know, it does play into this employment piece. If you are financially sound, it gives you options to kind of wait that out. You know, you can be more selective on what your next step is because you can sit there and watch that four point buck walk by you, you know, in the tree stand because you're not hungry. You know what I mean? You can wait until that eight point, maybe walk by in the, you know, later evening and nail that sucker, you know, because I don't need to feed the kids. They're not, I'm not cutting the ketchup and they're not eating ramen noodles. We still got, we still got meat in the freezer. You know, so you got to be the the smarter you play these games and the steps prior, the better the game is played later on the long game, you know, in a way it rolls into all these other steps, you know, that with especially into the employment piece, because I'm going to tell you, if if you don't plan financially, that job that that little sign up in front of McDonald's that says we're hiring now is going to start looking pretty damn good when that bank account starts getting down to three figures and the kids are eating ramen noodles. Yeah. Funny story. I actually made ramen for dinner last night, but nice. <laughs> it wasn't the shit in the cup. I do it for real. Um, well, <laughs> so to answer your question though about this stuff, when should somebody do this? Well, here's the thing. I wouldn't focus so much on when's the right time to hand my resume in right away. First of all, you need to look 24 months out if you can. And the first thing you should start doing is networking with people, connect with them on LinkedIn, go to the events, get a feel for the environment, right? Think about like when we dive, like, especially if you're diving on influence ordinance, like magnetic mines and shit. The first thing they say is you get down there, you do your environmental dive, you get to the bottom, you stop, you look around you say, what's the current like, you know, all you, you kind of get an idea of like, what is the reality of the battle space? Um, but start doing it. Like people are like, well, how do I do it? What should I know? I'm like, start just go right that the first thing they do it when we go to free fall school <laughs> what do they do they said oh don't worry you're going out of the plane it's that's that's a certainty right once you get in you're absolutely going out it's uh it's up to you to land safely right the thing same thing like because that's really how you get ready you can try to prep all you want but you're still going to get there and feel like you're not ready it's just getting exposed to that again and again and again. So go out, start networking, get a friend to go with you. However, when you go there with that friend, don't talk to that friend the whole time. 
I did a post about this last week because I was really happy. I went to a THF networking event and I was really happy to see that the fellows weren't just staying around in circles like it's a middle school dance and, and not asking any of the girls to dance. They're going out and talking to people and introducing themselves and, and you know, learning about things. Um, like, go out and start doing that because I guarantee you having a good relationship with somebody at a company is far more effective way means of getting you a job than having an awesome resume. Um, well, I think to your point too, though, when you're, when you're doing these networking events and let's say person a person, a and person B person a is 12 months out and person B is six months out and they're meeting the same, like at the same networking event and they're meeting employer, whatever from this company you're going to start seeing that person B, the six month guy out is going to start seeing more of a demand signal for resume. When, as they start to meet those people, you know, Hey, link up with me on LinkedIn, you know, shoot me a connect, you know, shoot me a resume more so than this 12 month guy. So you're going to start mm -hmm. seeing as that gap narrows towards your separation, you're going to start seeing your demand signal for your resume. You're going to start seeing people start asking you for it. So, you know, the, the more you start seeing, hey, you got a resume. Hey, why don't you send me your resume? The more you're going to start, you can only start telling people, I don't have one so much before yeah. you're really starting to see opportunities slip away and you're starting to be a dumbass. 100%. So get yeah. on it. Once you start seeing that demand signal, it's kind of like you are you are missing opportunity if you don't start getting that thing and squaring it away and getting something out there, at least something in print that you can present to somebody that gives them some idea of what your skill set is. Right. And, yeah. and, and, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of us out there that, 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 uh, that, that have potentially a government job lined up. And with this new rule, you have to potentially wait six months after you get out, but there's a waiver that you can submit. So become educated on that waiver process of what you need to do. If you want to get into the civil service world, um, whether that's Department of Defense, Department of State, Department of whatever, uh, you know, there, there's, there's nuances and waivers that you have to fill out. Now, I think it's different for state. So if I want to work for the state of Illinois, there's no waiver process. But if I do want to work for the Department of the Navy, then obviously, yes, as a GS employee, yes, I need to fill that waiver out and, and, and so that I make sure uh, that you have that going. You know, one one thing I want to highlight is is – we neglect to, I believe that we also neglect a very important aspect of our family when we transition, and that's our spouses. Whether it's wife, husband, whatever, you know, they're transitioning too, right? So they're transitioning out of the military as well. So whether that's staying in the area or moving to a new town or moving from one side of the state to the other, they're also going through their own version of transition and they're also going through their own having to find employment again. So getting them to build their network as well, getting them to dust off their resume, you know, looking at what their employment goals are, you know, um, I've referred a couple of my spouse, uh, spouses that I deal with, uh, with, to military one source, they have a, they have a military spouse transition program, which helps them find employment. I'm pretty sure there's tons out there, um, but that's just I, I wanted to throw that out there because I think we focus on us so much. But if you're married, 
yeah. your wife, your wife or husband is also going through that process. Right. Yeah. And so, and so what about them? So try to help them out because you guys are a unit. And so, so why just you be successful, make him or her successful as well. So, yeah. One, so one other thing about that on top of what Mike said, obviously, yes, that six month guy, he should definitely have a resume. That's pretty tight. Don't just send your resume and then never follow up. Mm. You have to follow up on this stuff, right? Nobody's going to just look at your resume and be like, what? That was in the, this guy was in the Navy. So when can he start, right? You have to follow up, maybe reach out to whoever the HR person, ask them to hop on a call and say, Hey, I was wondering if you had the chance to look through my resume and, and could you give me some feedback on that too? If, if you did, because you know, I'm, I'm coming out of the military. I'm, I'm, you know, working all this stuff and, and I'd love to hear your thoughts um, you know, whether you thought it was good or bad, or if there's, there's something that you, that stood out to you, like, you know, was there something that you liked or something that you thought like, Hey, you know, he should maybe change this. Don't be afraid to have those conversations with people because guess what? Everything's a learning experience, right? Even if they're like, well, your resume was really bad. Like, I can't believe you put a, I, there was this meme going around on Facebook and LinkedIn, uh, last week where, Whereas a Navy person, they had actually put a picture of your ribbon of their ribbon rack on there. I'm like, what kind of stupid shit is that? Right. (laughs) Like whoever gave him the idea to do that. Um, yeah, I, (laughs) you're fine. (laughs) (laughs) I just was like, you know, understand, like, you know, that's probably the biggest thing a lot of veterans have is like, how do I, take my experience that I have here and translate that into something that a civilian, because, you know, we don't see it. We lived in the military for 20 years, but a significant portion of the military, of the population of the world has never, you know, they don't know anybody that was in the military. They don't know anything about the military, right? Most of them know that the Navy has boats and the air force has planes and, and, you know, but it's, yeah, you have to, to help them understand. And and with that, right, I was talking about that, like what does a resume encompass, right? Okay, first of all, think about what it is you're trying to do. You can start just by writing this stuff down. What is it that you want to do, right? That's literally the first part of the resume. You know, what are some of the things you're good at? What are your skills? What does your work history look like, right? What did you do when you were in those jobs, um, you know, what's your education and what significant achievements have you made? Now, when somebody, like I saw this, somebody put um, on a resume that they've achieved uh, or they've received four Navy achievement medals. I'm going to be the, <laughs> the guy like, you know, if you said this while you're active, you're like, how could you say that to a young sailor? Nobody gives a shit about Navy achievement medals out in the civilian world, unless it's somebody else who also put that on their resume first, right? So think about how you word that stuff, right? Hey, I've received numerous, instead of saying I received four Navy achievement medals, um, you know, hey, been received numerous awards for superior, sustained superior performance or something like that, right? But, you know, a lot of what I've seen from resume writing, we start with what do we know, right? What do we know? Most of the resumes I see from, from service members that are transitioning, it's, it reads like an eval or a fit rep or whatever you want to call it. That's how most of them write. Um, and I'm like, eh, you know, 
it's performance writing for sure, but this this needs some some work on it. Um, but yeah, there's tons of you know uh, the Commit Foundation. That's another big one that I I sing their praises all the time because I've never done anything with them, but I've talked to so many people who've worked with them, and they said these guys are awesome. So Mike, you actually went through it, didn't you? I did. Yep. Yeah. Great program. So yeah, and like to the point of the resume once you get it, you, I'm a fan of the master resume. Mm-hmm. And once you have that written, it kind of is a broad scope of the, you know, your skill set. you know, you can do functional like Scott Vetter's a big advocate of the functional resume. And then you go to like honor foundation, they're a chronological um, advocate, you know, the chronological resume, you know, whatever it may be. If it seems to me, it's just my experience, but if you're going towards migrating more towards like the defense sector, chronological seems to be, it it works that way. You know, it just tends to migrate that way. If you're going out towards the corporate America, the functional resume seems to work much better, but whatever you build, build that master resume because you're going to find each of these job postings or you know you may get referred or somebody may call you and say hey, look we got this opening take a look at it let me know i'll refer you submit your resume you know that's what happened with me uh for my current position but you know but you should still take a look at that position description and there are going to be key indicators on there especially if you're trying to get in through the front door because you still have to beat that algorithm you still have to get you still have to nail those key words in that position description especially especially if you are going for usa jobs Mm. which you can have like i think the max they really want on usa jobs is like five page is what i've seen um but and that's a whole different beast a five page resume because you can get pretty specific on there which i have one and once you get that done and you get that beast built you still need to like I've rewritten it probably five or six times now for different USA jobs postings in there, but save it, save it every time, put a date on it. And, and that that's that version control. So when you go back to that master, you know, if you strayed so far down that tree branch and you're like, I'm way in left field now, where the hell do I begin at? You can just go back down to the trunk and go, all right, here's my master. And now I'm going a different path now. So, I don't know how many versions of my resume I have on my computer, but there's a, there's a ton of them, but um, I, I can't tell you how many times, but I've rewritten it, but it's all based on versions of a position description that I've tailored it for to make it more because we're so well-rounded in the military and we have such, you know, our required operational capabilities and projected operating environments, just use the military term we do so much different stuff and and we can look at a position description and you may go, well, hell, I don't have any business doing this. But then when you really start, we start talking to somebody and, and you start meshing the ideas and go, you don't, what do you mean you don't know anything about risk mitigation and risk management? You're an EOD tech, dude. You used to playing routes in and out of freaking route Tampa doing supply routes. You're used to playing missions on getting people in and out of the target areas and that's you don't know risk mitigation dude are you kidding me and risk assessment i mean just shit like that that we don't even think about but it's absolutely forefront of what we do every day we just did it every day we forget that we that that's a skill set 
but yeah, it's just, uh, yeah. In the, in the resume, you know, I think to really put it together, the networking is at least 95% of the next step for employment, at least, at least. And, and I think the resume just validates it. And I think the interview just keeps you from not getting the job or getting the job. <laughs> it validates, you know, it just seals the deal. I think that seals it. Right. And that interview is going to, you're right. That interview is going to make or break you because, you know, what is it? The old adage that they say um, resume gets you the interview interview gets you the job, I think is what something like that, uh, mm-hmm. how that goes. Um, I, and I've been on interview panels before. And, and I tell you, I think I probably get myself in trouble for saying this, but um, I think the vast majority of the time we had a very, very, very strong idea of the candidate that we were going to hire going into the interviews. And it was just a question of, okay, let's just make sure this is the guy we want every time, every time. So now you're on the other side of the table. So, and and even if you're, if you're not that guy, even if you're going into an interview and you probably have no chance to get that job, take that job, take that interview and use that for experience. Yeah. Practice interview. Get, yeah. Get those reps and sets in for interview practice. What did you Absolutely. say? You, like you talked about your practice wife. Hell yeah. <laughs> so when you do the next time you don't screw it up. Yeah. <laughs> so. so when you get that upgrade, <laughs> well, right. you know, I wanted to circle back on this, this skill bridge thing too, because like, I've seen a lot of, of posts about this recently and it looks like now that more, more people know about it. Um, it's, it's just one of those things for a while. Nobody knew about it. Um, I learned about it from John McCaskill. Um, but you know, now more and more people are seeing this and it seems to be like the active duty component is starting to push back on this. And so I saw this post the other day, this woman was talking about a junior sailor that wanted to get out and you know they're like how do you explain to an e8 uh, a senior chief like you know why should i let you do this why you know what's in it for the navy what's in it and i'm like i there's a significant problem there because these these senior leadership people aren't being educated i talked to a guy in 06 a navy 06 who was the senior logistician for paycom the Pacific command, right? Never even heard of DOD skill bridge, right? So first of all, why don't these commands have instructions on this stuff? Because it's a DOD, you know, thing, right? Why aren't they educated on what it does so that this E4 doesn't have to, you know, explain to their boss, well, here's what the, the whole, the whole story behind it. And two, and, and another big thing is, why, why should they have to justify it? Why shouldn't the chain of command have to justify to the commander why they should, should not approve it. Right. Well, I got, I got skin in this game because I was a third time, third tour command master chief and did not know about it until my intelligence officer came up and talked to me about it. And I was like, I've never heard of this program. And then when I researched it, and this was in late 2020, early 2021, the Navy at that time, and I don't know if they've since released one, but at that time, the Navy was operating on a nav admin from 2015. 
And this is late 2020, early 2021. Now there is a DOD instruction that I think was released in 2013, if I'm not mistaken. I could be off a little bit on my years or, or the dates, but so there, there is really no Navy instruction on this as of when my time, active duty time, when I was uh, in the leadership position. Now, we, uh, I think at that time, especially, we did a very horrible job advertising the SkillBridge program. Um, and I think it was because we didn't want people to know about it because it was, because what it does is in a, I think a lot of times commanders and commanding officers are extremely risk adverse and this will cause them to assume more risk. Now I'm not taking up for them at all because I think if you lead people, right. Having a few people, you know, you should always like from a combat leadership perspective, if you can't lead and expect to move your organization down the field, being able to lose 25% of them and still be able to accomplish your job, you're screwed up. Because if you're not trained like that, you're wrong. So the other thing is this, this program, because I went through SkillBridge, it is such a great opportunity for folks to reintegrate, to seize opportunities, to learn different skill sets, to truly set themselves up for that next step that I think it needs to be almost carte blanche across the services for folks to be able to at least do something. Now, if it's not the whole six months, at least give them something. No, absolutely. That's, that's really good. I'm going to have to bring you over here, Mike, and you need to speak to the next, uh, we have a, every, every month we have the great lakes integration meeting where we sit down with all the CEOs and CMCs and, you know, I'm going to have you sit there on, you know, stand on top of the desk and knife hand every single one of them. I'd love to. <laughs> <laughs> that'll be great because you can be like you motherfuckers need to. <laughs> <laughs> you know so you yeah, know so those are the, some of the employment things you know we're looking at you know federal civilian resume the differences between that making sure you're building that all the programs that are available to you fellowship programs that are you know nonprofits that are created by nonprofit organizations ton of them it's named a few here commit foundation honor foundation you know, DOD Skill Bridge, there's OWF, Operation Warfighter, that does a lot of government in internships as well. Um, networking events, can't say enough about that. Um, rehearsing your interviews, definitely as much as you can. And then, you know, there there is, I think we also look at, we also overlook every state, every city, every municipality, every county has an employment office that you can visit. And chances are they have a veteran employment assistance program um, at in that small little county or city. Now, you know, you, you don't have to hunt. You're not trying to, you know, you, I think everybody thinks that they're going to find that they're going to be the next CEO of Google. And no, it's not like that. You know, not everybody wants to be the next CEO of Google. Some guys are just content with, you know, like Mike said, some guys are content with just leading me. I just want to lead me. I don't want to lead anybody else. What can I do just to lead? I have a hard enough time leading myself, right? <laughs> so uh you know so there's tons of opportunities out there look look in each area find someone who's reputable and go out there and network and find your niche and i think one one last thing i'd like to say about the you know is your networking if you do these cups of coffee 
you're, you'll start to figure out which ones mean more than others, you know, especially if you're on one side of the table or you're on the other side of the table. Like I had a, a cup of coffee with an SF guy that's just finishing up on our foundation and is looking to come in the same organization I'm in. So I was just talking to him, BSing with him for about 45 minutes on a cell phone. But about three or four weeks ago, I had a cup of coffee on, uh, I think it was Zoom or Teams or whatever it was, with a, a PJ, Chief Master Sergeant, who's retired, worked for Arizona State. And it was an elite meat cup of coffee. So we were going to talk about something else. So I was kind of on the fence. I was like, well, I had my T-shirt, my Unabomber sweatshirt on that I normally work from at my house. And I thought, yeah, you know what? I probably better get a little professional because I don't know where this is going to go. So I went upstairs and I put a, a collared shirt on and a button-up shirt and I threw a, a jacket on just to look a little bit more professional than my Unabomber sweatshirt and my fuzzy slippers. Well, it ended up being basically an interview. Wow. And it ended up going from a half hour. It was two and a half hours long that we sat there and had a great conversation about the business opportunities and what they're doing. Um, but, you know, don't, you know, approach these things and, and until you understand the way these things are going and what direction they potentially go, especially if you're going, let's say, maybe you want to go work at Steel Corporation or maybe you want to go work for uh, Rivian or you want to go work for Ford Motor Company and you're going to go actually have a cup of coffee with this person. It wouldn't be a bad idea to approach this almost like it was an interview. So don't go there looking like a bag of smashed, you know, shit. Go there looking professional and 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 present yourself as such because you are basically that is an interview. Because if you go there at that cup of coffee and you and you, and you come off wrong and it, and it doesn't go. I mean, they're still going to be nice to you because every veteran wants to help you out, especially the veteran community. I was, you know, no matter what, but you're not going to get that next step if you don't show up, act professional, you know, and, and do the right things and make that that because you're only going to get that one chance to make that first impression. Right. We've, we've been beat that into our heads since the days in boot camp. But this this is when all the marbles are on the table now, because, you know, this is networking. And then that because that network splinters, because that guy that works at steel knows you know, he's going to go to some meeting later on, you know, his afternoon meeting. And he's going to talk about that fellow that he met at the Honor Foundation. And, you know, that was a solid dude. Oh, my God. What do you mean we have a position open? Well, I got this guy who's just getting out here in three months. We should look at bringing this dude in, you know, or, or so on and so forth. That's how this stuff happens. Never pass up an opportunity to make a really, uh, great impression. But um really? Well, I know, uh, yeah, I think that's about all the time we got for today. Um, anything that we missed, Jose? No, I think we covered a lot. I think it's, I think these, uh, these sessions are going phenomenal and I, I definitely value every, everything we discussed today. It's perfect. Yeah. Well, let us know. We'll come up to Chicago sometime and when it's and, warm. Yeah, when it's definitely. Warm. So, <laughs> yeah, but we'll go, we'll go into Chicago. We'll have some deep dish. We'll have a good Chicago dog. We'll catch absolutely. We'll do it up. Yep. All right. What's our All next right. episode going to be? So next one we're going to talk about is educational goals. In oh, case, okay. uh, in case you don't want to work and or you want to do both, you want to talk about education. So we can definitely yeah. go over some tools and things like that, that and benefits that you may be able to access. 
Excellent. I got some good stuff to, to add into that conversation. So cool. All right. We'll appreciate your time and we'll talk to you in the next episode. Fantastic. Right. Awesome. Have a good one. See you. Thanks. See you yep. Yep. See ya. Thank you for listening to the get to vet podcast. Make sure you subscribe to our channel and follow us on LinkedIn. If you'd like to come on the show, email us at Mike or Trevor at get to vet.net. That's get the number two vet.net and let us help you get to vet.